Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I tell you what, you go out and meet people in person. They're the nicest people in the world. Now you'll get attacked. My, I'll get attacked, for instance, you know, for, for stuff I don't even know what people are talking about. My spouse being in politics, she gets attacked, and I'm not sure what they're talking about. Yet when you meet people face-to-face, those are the real people, in my opinion. Those are the people that are always coming up saying, hello, hey, we watch you on TV. Basically come up just to say hi, and I, I think that's, that's, that's not what you're seeing out in, in the real world. People just hide behind social media. Today's show, we continue down memory lane. Hope you had a chance to listen to Tuesday's podcast when I talked about working part-time at WDHO, Channel 24 in Toledo, Ohio. And Michael Regai was my guest. Michael was the weekend sports anchor and really was fun talking with him. He went on to have a great career with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Baltimore Orioles doing TV play-by-play. And I worked at Channel 24 Uh, part-time for a little less than a year. And in the summer of 1984, uh, I lived in an apartment at my alma mater, Bowling Green, with George McPhee. George was on the New York Rangers at the time. And George and I got to Bowling Green, I want to say, I don't know, maybe May and... George had a really uh, crazy training regiment, and I would work out with him, but more than anything, I would help him, you know, spot him in the weight room and time him on the track. I mean, George was uh, an incredibly dedicated athlete, and the Rangers had given him an off-season training program, and so we were up early every single morning uh, doing that. And then when, you know, I got back to the apartment, uh, very often I would send out my videotapes to certain television markets. And it was in July of that summer that uh, I sent about 20 tapes out on a particular week. And what I did after I sent my videotape out, about a week later, I would call and try to speak to the news director at the TV station. So one of the stations that I sent a tape to was WAND-TV, an ABC affiliate in Decatur, Illinois. It was a hyphenated market. It was Springfield, Decatur, and Champaign, Illinois. All one TV market, but three different uh, cities. So 
I called WAND TV in July, about a week after I sent my resume tape. And the lady answers the phone, the receptionist. And I said, uh, yes, uh, is uh, Mr. Westbrook available, please? She said, my ask, who's calling? I said, yes, my name is Grant Neepier. She said, hang on. About 20 seconds later, I hear this, Westbrook here. And I said, hi, Mr. Westbrook, my name is Grant Neepier. And I started talking and he goes, yeah. He goes, I just looked at your tape. He goes, we just had a sports guy resign. And I just looked at your tape. And can you come for an interview? And I couldn't believe it. And I was like, yes. And I believe I went for an interview two days later. And I think that the the drive from Bowling Green to Decatur was, I'm, I'm trying to guess here, six hours, maybe, maybe. You know, I had to drive down I-75 south to catch uh, I-70, go through Indianapolis, and then into Illinois. But anyway, so I drive to do my interview, and I get hired right there, Dick Westbrook. And he tells me that my job would be a weekend sports anchor, and then during the week I would be a news photographer until the budget enabled to have a full-time position where I would do sports reporting during the week. And he thought that would happen within nine months to 12 years. And my salary was $12,300. And so I accepted the job that he offered me. And I drove back to Bowling Green and I get to Bowling Green and I literally walked into the apartment. George was not there. And I had a couple of garbage bags from Kroger's Groceries. All right. The the supermarket in Bowling Green that we went to was Kroger. And I didn't have a lot of stuff. And I literally put everything that I owned in a couple of grocery bags. And then I had, I believe, maybe... Two, three, at the most, four sports coats and a suit, some shirts and ties. And I put all my stuff in a bag and I carry it out near the front door. And George walks in. Napes, what's going on? I go, George, man, I'm leaving. He goes, what do you mean you're leaving? I go, I just got a job. And he thought it was great. And we sat down. And I didn't leave that afternoon. I actually left the next morning. We went out. Um, You know, we had our farewell at Bowling Green. George was getting ready to get and play for the New York Rangers. And I literally got up the next day. We did a workout. I came back to the apartment, grabbed my stuff, walked down the stairs, threw my four or five bags, and I'm talking about grocery bags, of clothes, into the back of my Subaru, gave George a hug, and I was on my way to get my first full-time job, my first full-time job, weekend sports anchor and news photographer during the week at WAND-TV in Decatur, Illinois. And that was the summer of 1984, 
And little did I know it at the time that that would change my life forever in such a positive way. Before we get to today's guest, I want to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. Need a home loan? Looking to do a refi? Make sure you check out Roy's Umbrella by going online, roysumbrella.com. No nonsense, no tricks, no gimmicks, no hidden charges at the end. I've worked with Roy and his staff for a number of years. They are absolutely awesome. So again, for all of your home loan needs, just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. My guest is somebody that I met uh, really the first time I went to Decatur for my interview when I interviewed with Dick Westbrook. Uh, he introduced me to a guy named Doug Wolf, and uh, Doug's an amazing guy. As a matter of fact, he's still there in Decatur. Uh, he not only does TV, but he has a radio show. Uh, he's married to a former anchor at WAND-TV who is now the mayor of Decatur. So I think I'm just going to introduce Doug Wolf as Mr. Decatur, Illinois. Doug, how are you, sir? I'm great, and you can refer to me as the first dude. <laughs> the first dude. Man, I cannot believe you are still in Decatur, because when I met you, uh, you, you had already established yourself so well there. W- what is it about that area that you just fell in love with that you decided that, hey, I'm gonna, just going to put my roots down here, and I'm just going to live here and work here forever? Well, my intention when I first came here in 1979, June 18th of 1979, was to be here one year, and I tell people it's just been a long year. Um, <laughs> right. I, I met my wife. Uh, she's a she's a Mattoon girl. Julie is a Mattoon girl, and uh, we got married. And I just never left. We just stayed here. And uh, she was close to her parents, and she got out of TV. She she has two jobs now: mayor of Decatur, Illinois, and she also runs the uh, St. Mary's Hospital Foundation here in Decatur. So she's she's busy. And then over the years, I developed. Obviously, WAND TV, and I did. I do now also a talk show in the morning, which is basically kind of like Seinfeld—a uh, talk show about nothing. It's just me and yeah. another guy, and we just talk about local issues and that kind of thing. You know, before I introduced you, I spent a couple minutes talking about my job description. And when I first got to WAND TV and interviewed with uh, Dick, he said you're going to be the weekend sports anchor, but he said it's not a full-time sports job. You're going to be a news photographer during the week until we can make it a full-time position, and that. that ended up being a probably nine or 10 months. And the one thing I'll always remember is going out with you with uh, my, my camera and you were, you were a stickler. Uh, did you get a white balance? Yep. Okay. Did you get a cutaway of this? Did you get a cutaway of that? And the one thing I learned really, really quickly is you were a perfectionist. And when you were going to go out with Doug Wolf, you better damn be on your a game because he's expecting certain shots and everything's just got to be done. Right. That's the one thing I always did appreciate about you, man. You were on my ass and everyone else because you knew exactly what you wanted. I did, and uh, hopefully I wasn't too mean to you because you were young. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, and, and uh, Dick Westbrook, you know, you mentioned him in one of your previous podcasts about your time here in Decatur, and I, I really felt good that you did that, and I think that was a great thing because really Dick was a guy that hired people based on not a whole lot in some cases. He'd hire us, and uh, he never saw my videotape. Mm. I was at school, and one of my professors could go, uh, got a call from Dick, and uh, Dick said, you got anybody down there? I need somebody to come and report in Decatur. And they're like, when? And they said, next week. And I said, how about Doug Wolf? And he hired me. And wow. that was it. That was the story. I never gave him a tape you know, to see my work or anything like that. And my first day, I was doing stories on the air. 
Dick uh, had a great impact on my career, and I don't have to tell you what uh, what, what he was like to be around. He was fair. Uh, he was a no-nonsense guy. He expect you to just do your job, and if you did your job and did it well, uh, he would have your back 100%. And I worked with a crazy guy. You know Rick Zurak. I mean, Rick was a loose cannon, and he, he used to drive yeah. He used to drive Dick crazy. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah. That, <laughs> Rick, Rick was— Do you know that Rick yeah. Zurak has— a, Do you know Rick Zurak has a son in the New York Yankees system? No, I did not know that. Wow. How about yeah, that? His son, Kyle, Kyle Zurak, I believe is his name. And I, I know he was in the minor league system when baseball stopped. Basically, he was in the Yankees farm system as a pitcher. So that was interesting. Man, how about that? I'll tell you the one thing. And I was there from 84 until 87. And I was there in a great period of time because the Cardinals were an excellent baseball team. Whitey Ball with Whitey Herzog. The Cubs were even good. You had Mike White, the football coach at Illinois. Lou Henson, the basketball coach. Both programs were really, really, really good. The Bears won the Super Bowl when I was there. So for being in, you know, central Illinois, right in the middle of the state, having all of those, you know, great teams to cover. And we did, you know, and we I was at Bush Stadium a lot. I would go to Soldier Field. I would be, you know, at, at the football and basketball games. I got to tell you, Doug, seriously, back in that era and when I was there for those three years, that was a phenomenal place to be if you were covering sports. And, and you got your experience, obviously. Unfortunately, since you left, and maybe it's because you left, uh, Illinois has not done that well as far as, uh, right. you know, Big Ten. Um, football, terrible. But uh, uh, basketball, they've been on and off hot. And, you know, they had Bruce Weber here a few years ago. Sure. Who took them to a national championship. Well, no, he, he took them to the – he took them deep, I think. I'm trying to remember what Bruce did. Yeah, he had he, – he did 2005, yeah. So they, I think they went to the national championship that year. That was Bruce Weber. And then he left and we had some bad teams, but now we have Brad Underwood uh, coaching Illinois. And uh, I think they have a good shot to go deep in the NCAA tournament. I'll tell you what else Decatur had. They had one of the best women's fast pitch softball teams in the country and they would travel everywhere. And I remember going out and covering that team. As a matter of fact, they let members of the media play against them in a game one night. And I'll never forget going up to bat and the first pitch I barely saw the second pitch. I actually fouled, you know, fouled, to the left side, and then I got struck out on the third pitch. But I'll never forget that team. That was an amazing team. I don't know if they still have a fast-pitch softball team there like they had when I was there, but I think it was either Staley's or, the, Staley's or ADM sponsored ADM. the team. And that they ADM, were great. Right. They, were, they were great. Unfortunately, that era has gone. That and they also had men's fast pitch here, then that's gone too. So well, that is too bad. It didn't last. Well, what about the smell? Is the smell gone or is it still, does the uh, the smell in the air there still uh, happen every now and then from the, uh, was it Staley's or ADM that created that smell? That was both of them, really. And uh, basically what you're smelling was burning soybeans. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. I, I got to tell you that I don't notice it anymore because I've lived here so long. <laughs> and occasionally somebody will bring it up. Yeah. And people will go down the interstate and they know they're near Decatur because they can smell it on the interstate. You know, talk about that hyphenated market for working at a market where Springfield, uh, which obviously you have to go to a lot if you're in the news business, then, you know, Champagne, you know, working in a hyphenated market – What's the difference? What's that been like for you working in a town where you are really in an area that is spread out and you have to cover a lot of different different uh, you know cities? 22 counties in central Illinois is what we cover. Wow. And it's pretty big. Obviously, our focus is on Decatur and Champaign and Springfield, the, the three big cities. And then we do all the rural areas, too. We have quite a few more people working here now than, than when you were here. And uh, fortunately, 
during 2020, we were actually hiring people while other stations were laying people off. It's a, it's a big market. The uh, sports guys don't have to shoot news anymore. They, we have uh, three sports guys. They just do sports. So they're totally dedicated to sports, which is good. But yeah, as for, for TV, it's a lot of hours and a lot of hours on the road. You know, it's one of those things you get used to it. You know, from a sports perspective, I remember going to uh, Eastern Illinois and covering, and you know, part of my responsibility uh, was go to football games on Saturday and shoot highlights. And I was, I, Sean Payton was the quarterback back then. I mean, that's uh, now the head coach of the Saints. You know, I remember going right. to the St. Louis Cardinals, their football team trained there. And I'll never forget going and talking to Jim Hannafin, the coach, and Larry Wilson was the general manager. And I really, and I mean this, Doug, I mean, uh, that was maybe in terms of getting experience, like you just pointed out. And again, I, I hate to be repetitive, but that was maybe as good of a stop as I could have been at in terms of being in a really small market, in terms of a small town like Decatur, but covering all the big sports. I mean, I had a chance to interview Walter Payton, Michael, Mike Singletary, Mike Ditka. I mean, you know, with the Cardinals, you know, all the way from Jack Clark to Whitey Herzog to Andy Van Slyke. I mean, I can go on and on. And Lou, and I'll tell you, Lou Henson and Mike White, when I was there, those were the nicest guys in terms of accommodating sports media. I remember I went to Champaign and I did a sit down interview with Lou Henson and I can't remember who my photog was that day, but they didn't white balance. Right. So I get back and you know what Uh-oh. that's like. I know. And I had to yep, call. I, I, yep. <laughs> and I called the sports information director and I, I said, Hey, I got a real problem. And I'm, 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 I, I'm, I have to have this on the air. I said, is there any way I could come back up and, and sit down and do another quick interview with Lou? He goes, let me check. And he said, yeah, can you be up here within an hour? And you know, what is champagne? 45 minutes. How long is it from the right? Right. 45 minutes. And I got, I got in the freaking car and I got up there and honestly, you know, here's a big, big time, big 10 coach, nationally ranked team. Lou could not have been nicer to me. He said, don't worry about it. I understand. No problem. Just sit down, relax. I mean, how, that's what I remember about my time there. Lou and Lou Henson and Mike White were great. Lou Henson was just a great human being. He passed away in the past year or so. Yes, he did. Lou, Lou had moved away from Illinois, went back to New Mexico or New Mexico State where yes. he had coached originally, yep. coached there a few years, but he came back to Champaign. Champaign, he never sold his home and he stayed here in Champaign and his name is on the court now. It's the Lou Henson Court, I guess. It's State Farm Center, no right. longer the Assembly Hall. But Lou was just just a great human being. In fact, we had a, a guy that was here after you named Mike Clef, and I remember Mike's, Mike's mom was passing away. She had cancer and was, was not doing well. And Lou was the kind of guy that would pick up the phone and call Mike's mother and talk to Mike's mother on the phone. Mm, wow. He's just that kind of a great guy. Wow. That is, uh, that's incredible. You know, when you've been there now since you said, what, 79 was your first year at WAND? Yeah, 42 years. Wow. Who are some of the... the, no, the... I, I left for a little I left for a little bit. I, I left okay. for a few years, but I did come back. Any names that have come through there that have gone on to have really successful, and I mean success, I yes. mean you're successful, but you know what I mean, like have gone on to major markets? Sure. Yes. Right before you got here, there was a woman here named Leandra Riley, and Leandra Riley did sports. And another Dick Westbrook story, Dick hired her on a very brief tape. She had three tapes. That was it. And back in those days, it wasn't on the internet. So you'd have to physically send a tape. But Dick basically hired Leandra. She had no experience. She was a gym teacher. Wow. But she wanted to do sports. So Dick hired her. Leandra Riley, and now it's Leandra Riley Lardner, 
Um, she left WA&D, went to Nashville, and built up her career. By 1988, she became the first woman to ever do play-by-play in a nationally televised NBA basketball game. Wow. It was on, in fact, I looked it up before I called you. It was uh, Valentine's Day, 1988. It was the Nets and 76ers Hmm. at the old Brendan Byrne Arena in New Jersey. She became the story because they, sure. all the all the networks were doing stories about her. So Leandra did that first game uh, play by play, and she had a great career. She worked for ESPN, I believe. She worked for CBS Turner, and she worked for quite a few different agencies. Her husband, the guy she married, is a was uh, Michael Lardner, I believe his name, and uh, he's a uh, he was or is a. Uh, producer and did sports and that kind of thing. And I think she's retired now in uh, Destin, Florida. I think that's where she is now. But that was an example of Dick bringing somebody in. They got their experience here and moved on and really had a great career. We had another woman here about four or five years ago. Her name is Elise Meneker. And Elise did some news here. I don't think she did much in the way of sports here, but that's all she wanted to do because I used to sit here and watch her. She'd come up after the news and she'd be watching sports highlights. Mm but now works for the Big Ten Network, and she also works for the Marquee Network, which is the new network that does exclusively, basically, Chicago Cubs baseball. So she's like in the stands and does interviews and that kind of thing, does pregame and postgame and that kind of thing. So Elise Menick was somebody that was recent that uh, really went far in the business. We had one news guy, uh, Steve Eckert. Um, Steve was a a producer, not a producer, he was a reporter here, but became a uh, investigative producer and worked for uh, Dateline NBC. And uh, he's now in Minneapolis turning out... uh, um, uh, investigative reports for the NBC affiliate up there. So we had we've had quite a few. I'm sure there's some other ones just not popping in my head at the moment. But there's a couple women though that moved on and had really good sports careers. Man, that that's awesome. You know, Doug. The one thing I always remember about you, you talk about reporting. You were you were a big time journalist. You were going to get the story right, and you were going to uncover, and you were going to work and do whatever you had to do to get the facts. And we fast forward now to you know twenty twenty one, the news business, the the media in, in general. Is it frustrating for you how you came up, what you believe in, to see how a lot of the media is portrayed now in this country? Yeah, um, we got a bad reputation. We're no 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 aspersions on car dealers, but we're, <laughs> I think we're looked a little bit below a used car dealer. Okay, you know, and it, it's a shame, and I'm not sure why it, it's gotten that way, but I, I think there's too many uh, news operations in the country that had, take opinions and that kind of thing and label it as news when really they're opinions and they're and they're more uh, formatted to you know actual opinion shows on both sides. You know, sure, but. I, I still like to do the straight journalism. I do investigative reports here now. We've got enough people where I can do that once in a while. In fact, I was working on today a story on odometer rollbacks on cars and that kind of thing. But that's kind of my gravy. That's kind of what I like <laughs> to do. And um, But the, the journalism overall, um, it's got problems, and I, I don't know if it will ever be straightened out. Um, social media, I love social media, but I hate social media. I hear it's you. one of those things that's – completely out of control and for really for no reason. I think social media is a, a real big problem in our country. And by that, I mean, I think it causes a lot of problems. And my own personal opinion is what you see on social media isn't always what's going on in the real world. I mean, if you just went by social media, you would think that everyone hates everyone. And it's I don't find that to be the case when I get out and talk to people, when I go out and talk to strangers. What's your view on that? 
I tell you what, you go out and meet people in person. They're the nicest people in the world. Now you'll get attacked. My, I'll get attacked, for instance, you know, for, for stuff I don't even know what people are talking about. My spouse being in politics, mm-hmm. she gets attacked, and I'm not sure what they're talking about. Yet when you meet people face-to-face, those are the real people, in my opinion. Those are the people that are always coming up saying, hello, hey, we watch you on TV, or, you know, or just basically come up just to say hi. And I, I think that's, that's you, you made a good point there. It's not what you're seeing out in, in the real world. People just hide behind social media. They hide behind Twitter. They hide behind Facebook and attack you. It, I don't know if it'll change anytime soon, but that's the way it yeah. is now. Amen. I'll tell you, in 1987, I took off a Sunday night in the middle of July, right around the 4th of July. It wasn't the 4th, but it was right around there to attend a wedding. And it was the best decision I ever made because I was at the wedding and a gentleman comes up to me and he goes, Grant Napier. And I said, yes. And he goes, I'm Barry Baker. I'm the uh, vice president of Coppler Communications. We have a station in St. Louis and a station in Sacramento. We have an opening. Send your tape out and tell them I told you to send it. And so the next day I sent my tape out to Sacramento. Uh, Christine Kraft was the news director at Channel 31 in Sacramento. I got a call on Thursday. I flew out there, I believe, on Monday or or Tuesday of the following week, I come back. I accepted the job, $25,000 a year to be the sports director in 1987 uh, in Channel 31 in Sacramento. And I come back and I go, Dick, I accepted a job and um, I'm just giving you my two weeks notice. And Dick said, well, you were just getting ready to go on vacation for a week. He goes, listen, if you want to just finish up the week and you want to leave, no problem. I'll pay you. And I wish you the best of luck. And he was great. But uh, had I not gone to that wedding, Doug, I would have never found out about the opening in Sacramento and less than a year of being in Sacramento, I became the TV voice of the Sacramento Kings. And you want to talk about being in the right place at the right time, but boy, taking that night off on that Sunday in Decatur to attend that wedding changed my whole life. Yeah. And and the fact that Dick was so nice to let you go right away. He was great. I, I, by the way, the great story is that I read from you or heard from you on one of your podcasts was the drive from Decatur to Sacramento. You didn't have air conditioning, is no, that right? No, in the biggest heat wave of the summer. That's correct. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Doug. All right. Wh- hey. How did you land how did you land the job with the Kings? Well, that's a great story. I was uh, I started in July of nineteen eighty seven and this is uh, you know this is this business on christmas eve i walk into the general manager's office to wish him merry christmas and he's not there and there's another guy in there and i go oh gosh i'm sorry and he goes no come on in and he goes, hi, uh, my name's Elliot Trushinsky. I'm the new general manager. This is on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wow. and I'm, yeah, right. So we sat down and I talked with him for like 20 minutes. Uh, I, I got to know him very well. He had come here from, uh, he'd come to Sacramento from Miami. His family was still in Miami because of school and everything like that. So anyway, uh, I got to know him very well. And it was around March. He called me into his office and he said, hey, I just want to let you know we're trying to get the Kings because the three-year contract at the uh, other station in Sacramento was getting ready to expire. And he said, we're trying to get the Kings. And he said to me, he goes, have you ever done basketball before? And I go, uh, yes, since I was about eight years old. And he goes, no, come on, seriously, have you done basketball before? I go, Elliot, I've been announcing basketball really since I was eight or nine years old. And he says, well, if we do win the rights, uh, the Kings have to approve you as the announcer. Now, Doug, Channel 31, when I got there, was a station that nobody watched. Okay, nobody watched. I mean, it was a rerun of I Love Lucy, The Three Stooges, cartoons. Nobody watched it for the news. But that that December, 
when I, I, I wrote, I wrote a handwritten note to Joe Axelson, who is the general manager of the Kings. And I said something like this, Doug, I said, Joe said, I just want to let you know, I, I only been here five or six months, but your staff and your people have treated me so well whenever I attend a game. And I just want to thank you. And then I said, I really hope that the fans of Sacramento realize how lucky they are to have a team because the Kings had just moved there from Kansas city in 85. And Doug, as you, we were just talking about, I was covering Illinois and the big 10 and you know how the atmosphere is there. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable, but the atmosphere when I got to Sacramento reminded me of being at a big 10 game. And so I told Joe that. So anyway, we fast forward to March, Elliot tells me they're going to, and then, and then he calls me back in the office about a month later. And he said, uh, you can't tell anyone this, but we got the rights for the Kings and we're going to start doing the games next year. And my heart is just like beating so fast. And he goes, and we're having a meeting next week and I'm going to bring you up and I want you to do the games. And they had the meeting the following week and Elliot calls me back into his office and he says, I don't know what it is about you, but the Kings love you. Joe Axelson absolutely loves you. And you are the new TV announcer for the Sacramento Kings. And Doug, I'll tell you this. If I had not taken the time to write Joe Axelson a letter, I'm not so sure I would have ever gotten the job. Because I'll tell you this, Doug, I don't even think Joe knew who I was. Nobody watched Channel 31. Doug, I would go out at Mm -hmm. night and nobody would even say, oh, there's Grant Napier. No one even would stop me and recognize me. And I was on TV five nights a week because nobody ever watched Channel 31 News. And I really believe that by me writing that letter, Doug, to the general manager of the Kings, it's the reason why I got approved to do the games. And I did it for 32 years. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Now, let me ask you a question, because I know you're a diehard New York fan. Yep. You still love the Giants? Yep. The the Rangers? Yep. Yankees? Yep. Knicks? You know, I'm glad you asked me that question. Diehard Giants fan, have had season tickets my whole life. Diehard Rangers fan, Yankees fan. I really kind of grew apart. When I went to college at Bowling Green, from 77 to 81, I didn't watch a lot of NBA basketball. I kind of fell out of favor with the NBA, and I wasn't following the Knicks that closely. And the first, my, mm. I, I mentioned this on my podcast the other day, Doug. One of the great highlights, one of the great memories I've ever had in my profession was the first time in the winter of 88, my first year going to Madison Square Garden to doing the Kings and the Knicks and had my dad with me and had my aunt with me and my brother and And, you know, I got into this business really because of I grew up listening to Marv Albert. And had I not grown up on Long Island listening to Marv, I don't know if I would have ever had an interest for doing play by play. But one of the most amazing memories, as a matter of fact, I had Steve Albert, his brother on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I had his son, Kenny Albert, on back in the fall. And I told them both this story. But for me to be sitting courtside at Madison Square Garden and literally three seats next to me was Marv Albert announcing the same same game that I was was unbelievable. I mean, that was one of the real highlights of my life to think that, gee, I grew up in this city, grew up as a diehard Knicks fan in this big metropolis, the most famous arena in the world, and I'm announcing the New York Knicks on TV and Marv Albert is three seats away from me. Um, that was that I was just a, remember, see, yeah. I grew up in Jer- I grew up in Jersey. Yes, I, I know you did. Marv Albert. Yep. 
and I used to listen to him on the radio. Yep. And I can just remember every time like DeBusher or Bill Bradley or Walt Frazier had a basket, him going, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I oh, used my. to I used to tape all those games on a little white uh, portable cassette recorder. And back then, you know, you, you would have that digit, you would have the counter on it. It would start at zero and at 999, it would go back to zero. So I would you know, like record the game. Then I'd go back and listen and I would write down like at, you know, 121 on the counter, great basket. Then at like 234, another great basket. And I would do the same thing for the Rangers games. And I would bring my recorder into homeroom in junior high. And before the bell rang, me and my friends would listen to all the highlights. And then in junior high school, Doug, whenever we had a class assembly and it ran, uh, you know, quick, uh, you still had to sit there until the bell would ring. And everyone would start chanting my name. Everyone in the assembly would go, Grant, 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 Grant. And I would have to get up on the stage, Doug, and I would have to do a mock Knicks game or Rangers game. I had commercials. I would do, like, until the bell rang, I would just do play-by-play, and I would imitate Marv Albert. Wow. Yeah. So I guess I was – That is great. Isn't that something? Incredible. Yep. Now, I can remember going to Madison Square Garden, and very similar to a story you told, you could actually get to Marv as a fan because yes. it was up on the concourse there, and he yep. sat just below it. And after the game, he'd yes. stand there and sign autographs. Yes, he, he was would. just that kind of guy. Yes, and he I can would. also remember going one time on the court after the game at Madison Square Garden. The place cleared out, and me and my buddy, we just waited around. Nobody chased us. We went out on the court. There were still players hanging around. How days. about that? And they signed, they signed autographs. They still have them to this day. And, in fact, I got Bill Bradley of the Knicks. We kind of walked down the tunnel, and there was the Knicks locker room. And he was standing there talking to his family, and he goes, I have to go inside the locker room for a minute. I'll be back out, and I'll sign your autograph. And, of course, I'd heard that before. You never see him again, right? right? sure. But, nope, Bill Bradley came back out just to sign the wow. autographs. That's unbelievable. I got a great yep. story for you. I had Steve Albert on the uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, and Steve went to Kent State, and he was in class during the shooting at Kent State, okay? Oh, no. Yeah, back in back in 1970. And he, right. sa- he said that he walked across campus, went into his dorm room, packed up stuff, and drove to back home to New York. He went, he left. He, he had to get away. And he said that... You know, he used to be, before he went to college, he was a ball boy for the Knicks. Anyway, he gets back to New York, and it's game seven. Willis Reed coming out of the locker room, Knicks and Lakers. Oh, yeah. And the equipment manager and or, the, or I believe it was the trainer, I beg your pardon, it was the trainer, said, Steve, I want you to be uh, an honorary ball boy for the game. And Steve tells me the story of being on the floor at Madison Square Garden and sitting at the end of the Knicks bench for game seven of, and he said, had had that tragedy not happened at Kent State, he would have stayed there. But I mean, he said, he said in a span, I think, I, I think he said in a span of like a day or two, he goes, I went from one of the worst moments of my life being in a terror filled shooting on campus to one of the great moments of my life. And still to this day, he looks back on one of the great moments of his life. Could you imagine as a college student be standing on the floor at Madison Square Garden, on the floor when Willis Reed runs out of the tunnel limping for game seven against Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry oh West, gosh. and the L.A. Lakers? How about that for you? I, wa- I watched that on TV. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Uh, amazing. So I, I, I can tell you, 
I'm a 65-year-old man, and if I got to stand on the court <laughs> in Madison Square Garden or the United Center in Chicago, I, I would just be thrilled to death. <laughs> it was one of my great thrills. When we used to go to shoot-around, when I was starting to do the games, we'd go to the old Boston Garden, and I, you know, and I would be shooting baskets on all these courts and at the Chicago Stadium and Madison Square Garden. And that's the one thing I love you say that, because here we are in our 60s, but you know what? We're, we the thrills of being able to do little things like that growing up and being mm-hmm. a sports fan and being a basketball fan. And then for you to walk onto the floor at Madison square garden, like that's a big deal. And I, I still, to this day, I understand that the, that when kids get close to the court and they, and I always, you talk about more of Chick Hearn of the LA Lakers, the great legendary voice of the Lakers for many, 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 many years. He was the same way, Doug. He would always sign autographs and spend as much time after the game with the fans. And I, I used to, watch that and I would always do that after every game listen and I as I got to do the games more and more and more I mean as I got you know my career continued to you know go year after year I would have more and more fans and I would do the same thing because you know what the fans are what it's all about you sometimes forget how special it is for fans to be able to get to an announcer like you did with Marv get an autograph be near the court so I'm glad you brought that up because that's the essence of sports in my opinion yeah, and um, same thing with the uh, baseball back in those days too. Sure, I was. You were a Yankee fan, if I remember, but yes. I was a Mets fan. Because um, mainly because I could see them on TV almost every night on old WOR TV. Sure, I used to go to to take the seven train out to Shea Stadium. Those guys, they would sign just about anything back in those days. They didn't charge any money, but uh, there was a there was a guy in the Philadelphia Phillies. I can't remember his name. I was wearing a New York Mets ski cap at the end of the season. It was like the last game of the year. And the guy goes, hey, what do you want for that ski cap? Because he was cold on the field and he wasn't playing, I guess. So I said, you give me a baseball, I'll give you the ski cap. And we swapped it. I gave him the ski cap, he gave me a baseball. How about that? Oh, my gosh. You know, the good old days, right, Doug? The good old days. Man, that's... That's unbelievable. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it'll ever be that way again. Oh, my gosh. Well, I got to tell you, man, it's so Not great. baseball state... What's that? Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go I was ahead. I going to say, now the baseball stadiums all have those nets all around them for to stop the foul balls. Yeah, that's right. You could never do that now. That's that's a great point. Well, no. man, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Well, it's so great to catch up with you. I can't believe, and I really mean this, I left in 1987 in July, and I believe this is the first time that I've talked to you since 1987, man, and it's almost like, wow, we just pick up where we left off. That's so awesome to have just you on. Just pick up where we left off. Wow. Yep. Man. Now, where are you at now? In Miami? Yeah, I'm in Miami, and I started my podcast back in October. I've been having a lot of fun with it. I know you've been mm-hmm. listening to it because I see some of the comments you've been doing, and um, I've been trying to, right. you know, obviously not only be entertaining, but be educational. I've had some really deep talks with some people. So, uh, you know, listen, we're living in a crazy world, as you know. I mean, I don't have to explain that to you yep. in crazy times, and so uh, I'm just trying to navigate my way through this as best I can, and along the way, uh, help out others and help myself. I mean, I've always said this, Doug. I'm 61 now. I still have things to learn. I'm not perfect. I'm, I never claim to be perfect. And hey, I'm learning things new every day. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I, I also listen to Grant's rant yep. religiously every morning <laughs> on YouTube. So I don't miss that. that. I start my day with Grant's rant after I do radio. Well, you know what? How about that? And you haven't you haven't jumped in the Lake Decatur yet after, after watching one of my rants, huh? No, no. In fact, I have a house now on Lake Decatur. It's a pretty nice house. I got a boat. Yeah, I, I know. Spend, like most of my summer sitting out on the boat. I so. know. That's why I said that. I, I, I look at your Twitter. I look at your beautiful pictures from, you know, over the lake and everything. And I'm like, man, that Doug Wolf's doing good. How about that? He's he's on the lake yeah. now, man. That's great. Good for you. I'm happy for you. Yeah. I married well. 
<laughs> hey, wh- whatever works, buddy. Well, listen, I, I just can't thank you enough. It was great reminiscing with you. Great sharing some memories. And uh, let's not wait another 35 years to do this again. All right. How's that sound? Hey, the honor is all mine. It's great stuff. Doug, I, really, thank you very much. And again, I wish you the very best of luck, my friend. You too, Grant. Thank you. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Manscaped. In this tournament season, take care of your hair and holes with the best tools for the job. Now, we're talking about Manscaped, the global leaders in male grooming from head to toe. And when the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset with the Manscaped Performance Package to keep all your hair and holes tamed. Now, Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Now, in this Manscaped Performance Package, which is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and number one overall seed this season... In the weed whacker department, yeah, you need your ear and nose hair trimmer. All right, so you get that. It provides proprietary skin-safe technology. It's awesome. You also get the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It's the best trimmer on the market. And let's not forget about their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver. Now, get the performance package now. Receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Manscaped also is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Now, remember, every purchase at Manscaped.com goes towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society. Get 20% off. And free shipping with the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code NAPES, N-A-P-E-S. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. All right, now time for the Crowd Ultra Q&A. Just go to crowdultra.com. Takes about a minute to sign up, and maybe I'll answer your question right here on the podcast. Alan wants to know, where would you rank Booker and CP3 in NBA backcourts? Hey, listen, they're having a really good year. Uh, my problem with uh, CP3 is when the playoffs start. I just don't like the way he plays in the postseason, especially in big games. But right now, I mean, they're up there. They're having a great year. The Phoenix Suns, i got to give them a lot of credit. Josh wants to know, who will be traded first, Wilson or Watson? I think Deshaun Watson. I think that Watson will be traded first. Jackson wants to know, is Melo a Hall of Famer? You know, based on the way everyone gets into the Hall of Fame, I would say yes. You know, it it seems that there are many members in the Hall of Fame that I don't really consider Hall of Famers. So is Carmelo a Hall of Famer, you know, based on what he did at Syracuse, based on his NBA career, based on those that are already in? I would say yes. I would say yes. Willie wants to know, do you agree with June Jones saying the NFL is more like the NBA nowadays? Yeah, I do. You know, the NBA, let's line up, fire the three, score as many points as we can, and that's what the NFL has come to. Absolutely. Aaron wants to know, will Myers Leonard be canceled from the NBA? Stay tuned, Aaron, for my rant, because that is coming up next. I think you're going to enjoy it, Aaron. How'd you know, Aaron, I was going to do my rant on Myers Leonard? And the NBA. Nick from New York. Is Doc Rivers going to be able to do more with the Sixers in the playoffs than he did with the Clippers? I hope so. Or he's going to get run out of town. Never could get the Clips with all that talent out of the second round. And if that happens in Philadelphia, he won't last long there. All right. Let's move on and talk to Jake. Is Chris Godwin worth a franchise tag? I love him. I think he's a heck of a receiver. Absolutely. I think he's a very, very good uh, receiver. 
All right, let's get to some other questions. Ricky wants to know, what is the wrong decision for this, or was it the wrong decision for the Saints to release Emmanuel Sanders and Quan Alexander? Hey, the bottom line is, with the NFL salary cap, when you you pay your quarterbacks all this money, look at what the Kansas City Chiefs just did. Eric Fisher cut, the other starting tackle cut. Just, you you know, if you're going to give Patrick Mahomes all that money, you don't have enough money to go around. So I think that is becoming more of the norm, not the exception. Absolutely. Hey, Grant, love the show. I really like the Mike Wise and Joe Klein interviews from last week. Great job rehashing the lesson Chris Russo learned in your home as a kid. Question, did you ever collect baseball cards? If so, do you have a favorite card? This hobby was such an important part of my childhood growing up in the 70s and early 80s. Oh, yeah, we sure did. You know, I remember in the 60s collecting baseball cards. I wish I had kept them. We all were trying to get Mickey Mantle, you know, growing up in New York. You always were trying to get Mickey Mantle. So, yeah, I remember that very well. And again, I think I speak for a lot of people. I wish I had kept them. David wants to know, what's your opinion on the usage of analytics in baseball? I think it's ruining baseball, but I had Dusty Baker back on in December. And I talked to him, I go about managing by the book and, you know, what the book this. And he goes, well, you know, there's always really been a book in baseball. There's always been, and he was basically talking about, you know, numbers and percentages and things like that. But analytics now, I think it's absolutely destroying the game of baseball. Like, I think it's ruining baseball absolutely ruining all right if you want to ask me a question just go to crowdultra.com takes a minute sign up maybe i'll answer your question right here on the podcast it's time for rant 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 Today's rant is brought to you by Newworks Plumbing locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years whether it's leak detection Water line repair, bathroom plumbing, New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. And no matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. And their expert technicians are available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs, newworksplumbing.com. Well, the NBA has come out with their fine and punishment for Myers Leonard of the Miami Heat. Now, I'm sure you have heard by now his anti-Semitic comments while playing a video game over the Internet. What does the NBA do? $50,000 fine, and he can't be around the Miami Heat for a week, and he has to do some diversity training, okay? Think about that for a minute. Fifty grand can not be around the team for a week. Now, let me back up to July of last summer. Do you remember when Deshaun Jackson went on Instagram and made his anti-Semitic comments, and then they were backed up by Steven Jackson? And you remember Deshaun got fined, nothing happened, didn't miss any practices, didn't miss any games. And then shortly after Steven Jackson came out in support of Deshaun, Malcolm Jenkins of the New Orleans Saints said this, Jewish people aren't our problem and we aren't their problem. We've got a lot of work to do and this ain't it. Now Mitch Album, the outstanding columnist from the Detroit Free Press, shortly thereafter, came out with a column. And I'm going to read one paragraph. Silence is compliance. That's a popular sentence today. But you can't be selective with your noise, not against hate. For all the bigoted garbage stirred up against Jews last week, it was disturbingly quiet out there. We should think twice about why that is. Why is it so quiet on the NBA front right now? How come LeBron James and other NBA players are not coming out against the hate speech from Myers Leonard. Why are they being so disturbingly quiet? Why is there a double standard? I don't understand this. You remember 
in the bubble in Orlando when Montrez Harrell called Luka Doncic a bitch-ass white boy, no fine, no suspension, no nothing. Now, I'm not equating Harrell calling Doncic a bitch-ass white boy with anti-Semitism, but what I am doing is bringing up the nature of double standards, okay? And how the hell is our country ever going to get better? How are we ever going to move forward if we have such an outrage over certain social, racial, political issues, but anti-Semitism comments or anti-Semitic comments just kind of seem to, well, it's okay, we'll just find them and no big deal. And I'm not saying that Myers Leonard should be canceled and he should never play again in the NBA. I don't believe that at all. I actually thought his apology was very sincere. I think I'm in the minority there, which, again, I think is a shame, but I take his apology. I, I believe what he said. Doesn't condone what he said, but I accept his apology. But where are the other NBA players? How come nobody in the league other than the Commissioner Adam Silver is speaking about Myers Leonard? Again, I go back to Mitch Albom's sentence that this is spot on. But you can't be selective with your noise, not against hate. Why are people being so selective with their noise? How are we ever going to move forward in this country if so many continue to be selective with their noise? Think about that for a minute, and think about that this weekend. And hey, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. My thanks to Doug Wolf. My thanks to you. And particularly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate the podcast, write a brief comment. It only takes a moment. I would certainly be grateful. And don't forget about my video rants over on YouTube. Same name if you don't like that with Grant Napier. Hey, make it a fabulous weekend. And again, thank you so much for checking us out here. If you don't like that with Grant Napier. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.